Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoyed listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and we'll be picking up in verse 48. We need to behold our God. As we sang about, we sang, Behold our God seated on His throne. We, that is our great need today. We need to behold God. One of the Puritans wrote um, a little book. I haven't read it, but the title's just good enough. <laughs> he wrote, The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. Uh, Many of us struggle with different things. We struggle with sin. We struggle with different attitudes. And we struggle with things. And and it may seem we, we try for years and years to overcome certain sins and habits in our lives. This Puritan Thomas Chalmers, he said that the the power for change in the life of a believer comes from the expulsive power of a new affection. You can't just say, well, I need to stop, I need to stop, I need to stop, I need to stop. Instead, we have to embrace a new affection, a new desire. And so we don't even think about the old things. It's not about the willpower of trying to stop. It's about embracing something new. We need to get behold our God. We need to behold the beauty of Jesus. We need to behold how great and awesome Jesus is. And you know, these texts that we're looking at in John, we can go through them and we can begin to think, well, what's very practical about that? What's, what's practical about it? It's not telling me I need to go do something. It's not talking about any particular sin or anything. What's practical about this? What's practical about it is it gives us a vision of a bigger Jesus. It helps us to behold Him for who He is. And that's where power for life chains resides. It's in the expulsive power of a new affection. You fall in love deeper with Jesus and you see the things that hold you back begin to fade away. John chapter 8. He's still, Jesus is still beginning to confront, he's still confronting the Jewish people who were unbelieving, the Jewish leaders who were coming to him and, and, um, challenging him and what he said in verse 48 says the Jews answered him are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon Jesus answered I do not have a demon but I honor my father and you dishonor me yet I do not seek my own glory There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, and as did the prophets. And yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. 
Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets who died? Do you, who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say, He is our God. But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him, and I keep His word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones and threw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that your word would come down deep into us. Lord, that we would hear with hearing ears. Lord, that you would give us eyes to see. Lord, that you would help us to behold who you are. Lord, that you would help us to see your glory. It is in seeing you, it is in savoring you that we are changed from one degree of glory to another. Father, be with me, a sinful man. Use my weak lips to proclaim your word in Jesus' name. Amen. This is an ongoing discussion. Jesus had called himself the light. He would call himself the light, that he illuminates everything, and by that he is a judge in which those who are in darkness try to get away from him because they don't want their deeds exposed. He had called himself equal with God, and the Jews were coming to him, and they were incensed that he would be able to do this. They say, are we not right in saying that you're a Samaritan and have a demon? Well, what does being a Samaritan have anything to do with it? Well, I mean, the Samaritans, we know where they came from. They were a half-breed um, group, part of the northern kingdom of Israel that stayed there in the land whenever the southern kingdom was taken into captivity in Babylon and they had intermarried among the peoples of the land. And whenever the, Jew, the, Judea, <laughs> the tribe of Judah and Benjamin came back after the Babylonian exile, they came and they found these people, these Samaritans who had been this mixed race of people, this, these uh, Jewish and among the, the people of the land. And the Jews had no much, no use for them. They, they considered them heretics. And that's probably why Jesus was being called a Samaritan. They thought he was a heretic. 
You know, the, the Samaritans, they rejected the exclusivity of, Jew, of, of worship in Jerusalem at the temple. The Jews, they, they had to worship at the temple. That's where all the sacrifices were made and everything. And the Samaritans rejected that. They had their own place of worship. And the fact that Jesus was saying something like, the time is coming and now is, wherever we're no longer going to worship in Jerusalem or over on Mount Gerizim, where we're going to, but true worshipers are going to worship in spirit and truth. You can imagine the Jewish people who were so religiously devoted to their strict interpretation of, you have to worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus, they could have seen him and thought, well, he's just a Samaritan. He's a, he's a heretic. And if he wasn't God, and he was saying the things he was, he would be. He said, are you a Samaritan or have a demon? They thought maybe Jesus was saying these things under the influence of demonic power. They thought, he's a crazy man. He's a raving lunatic to be able to say the things that Jesus is saying. Jesus answered, I don't have a demon, but I honor my Father and you dishonor me. First of all, he ignored the accusation of being a Samaritan. Just ignored it altogether. That's the way to respond to your critics. Don't even acknowledge it. And then he said, I don't, I don't have a demon. But he said, you dishonor me. I honor my Father. I'm doing the things that my Father sent me to do. I'm, I'm doing His will, and yet you Jews dishonor me. In Eastern cultures, uh, Oriental cultures, honor and shame is a big deal. You, you dishonor somebody and you might just start a feud that will last generations. And here Jesus was pointing out what they were doing. They were dishonoring Him. And Jesus points out how absurd it is. Here, here He is honoring His Father. Honoring the Father and these Jewish leaders were dishonoring Him. Insulting Him. Have you ever been insulted for doing what's right? This is where Jesus was. He was doing exactly what God sent Him to do. He was honoring His Father and people insulted Him for it. Whenever you find yourself in that experience, when you're doing what's right, when you're doing what God wants you to do, and people cast insults at you, remember, you're doing, you're experiencing exactly what Jesus experienced. That's what Peter points out in the book of 1 Peter. Remember, we, we walk in His steps. Just as Jesus was criticized, just as people cast insults at Him, they're going to cast insults at us as well. And Jesus said in verse 50, I do, not seek my own glory. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and He is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see 
death. We've talked about glory. What is glory? It seems maybe maybe it's a a, a difficult concept for us to grasp. In uh, in the Hebrew language, this is what I'm most familiar with. I I study a lot more Hebrew than I did Greek. In the Hebrew language, the the word for glory is the word for weight. Something that's weighty. Something that's heavy. When God walks into the room, you can just feel the weight of things. You can feel the heavy. It's not trivial. Jesus says, I don't seek my own glory. He's not seeking His own acceptance. He's not seeking His own people to take Him seriously. But God is the one who gives Him glory. God is the one who shines the light on Him. And He is the judge. What Jesus is saying there, God is the judge. You may think what you want, but I'm doing what's right. And God is the one who really matters. All I want to do is please my Father. He's the one who's going to judge. We can relate to that. When people cast insults at us, we can remember, God is the one who will judge. He sees what's right. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Boy, he's throwing out something explosive here. You think I was heretical before, Jesus may be thinking? You think what I've said up to now is heretical? Listen to this. If you do what I say, if you keep my words, you'll never taste death. Jesus was telling people, you'll live forever. Everyone experiences death. Everyone sees death. We know that from Adam and Eve in the garden. From when Adam and Eve partook of that food and every person since then, except Elijah and Enoch, but they're exceptions, had died. And Jesus tells His audience, He tells these Jews, if you keep My words, you will never taste death. That's amazing! Here they are thinking he's a heretic and he's saying, if you do what I say, you'll live forever. And then the Jews, they they catch it. They catch how amazingly astounding this is. They said to him, now we know you have a demon. (laughs) You're crazy, man. You're crazy. You can't say you're going to live forever if you do what I say. You're crazy. Only somebody who's filled with a demon can say that. These Jewish leaders are saying. Abraham died, as did the prophets, yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died and the prophets died? Who do you make yourself to be? They recognize what Jesus is saying. He's saying, if 
You do what I say. If you hear my words, if you hold on to what I'm teaching, you'll never see death. And the Jews hear that and they think, wait a minute. The highest, most holy person that we can think of, Abraham. He's the father of our nation. He's he's the one who God made a covenant with to form our people. And he died. Are you, Jesus, saying you're better than him? Are you, Jesus, saying that you're better than Abraham? You're crazy, is what they think. Or the prophets. You think of all the prophets of Isaiah and Malachi and Jeremiah. and and Well, Elijah was one who didn't die. And they're saying, are you greater than any of these? Are you greater? Or what are you trying to make yourself out to be? And notice, he doesn't say, they don't say, who do you think you are? They say, who are you making yourself to be? It's not as if they think he's deluded. It's that he is trying to bring glory to himself. That's what they're accusing him of. Who are you making yourself? Abraham was so great. Are you trying to make yourself greater than Abraham? Are you trying to make people think that you're all high and holy whenever Abraham, he died? This is how they respond to Jesus. Jesus answered, If I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. That's how he responds. They all think you're trying to make yourself great. You're trying to make yourself higher than any other teacher, any other figure within our religion. And Jesus says, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing what you're thinking I'm doing. I'm not trying to bring myself glory. If I did that, it's nothing. Just like the song we sang, unless the Lord does raise a house in vain, its builders strive. If I'm trying to bring glory to myself, it's nothing, Jesus said. And just think how much more that is for us. If Jesus himself can say, if I try to bring glory to myself, it's nothing. Think about that for us. If we try to make people think we're good, if we try to you know, present just the best image, that's what Facebook is all about, right? Trying to present ourselves as good people with a good image. If we try to do that for ourselves... It's nothing. But Jesus says, it is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say He is our God. It's the Father. Jesus is saying, the God who you say you worship. Notice He says, of whom you say He is our God. He's casting some doubt in there. He's saying, he's not really your God. Because if he did, if he was your God, you'd listen to me. But of whom you say he is our God. That guy. God, the Father. The one who called Abraham out of Ur. The one who called Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. The one who gave Moses, the law on Mount Sinai. The one who promised David that he would have a son who would sit on his throne forever. That guy. Jesus is saying, 
It is my Father who glorifies me. That guy glorifies me. But you have not known Him. There he follows it up. He's saying, you think you know Him? You've you've read about Him in the Scriptures? You've studied the Scriptures? You think that you have this relationship with Him because you've grown up in a Jewish family observing the Torah and all those things? You think that makes you know Him? But Jesus says, you don't know Him. And we can have the same thoughts. We can have the same idea. A person can grow up in a Christian family. A person can go to church every Sunday. Jesus warns these Jewish leaders, you don't even know Him. You have not known Him. I know Him. And if I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. Just notice the cutting way that Jesus says that. I would be a liar like you. Could you imagine yourself saying that to another person? (laughs) If I didn't say what I'm saying, I'd be just lying just like you. How insulting that would be to one of us. But Jesus was right. He was seeing right through their lies. And the fact that He's saying, I would be a liar like you if I said that, means that it isn't just they're being mistaken, because you can be wrong and not be a liar, but it's that they're culpable, they're morally culpable for what they're saying. To be a liar, you have to intentionally be misleading a person. And Jesus says, But you have not known Him. I know Him. If I were to say that I do not know Him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know Him. And keep his words. That's what Jesus says. Verse 56. Your father Abraham. He picks up Abraham again. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. What are we to think of this? The the Jewish people were incensed at Jesus. They were angry at Jesus. And this is contrasted with the fact that Abraham rejoiced that he would see Jesus. Jesus is contrasting the attitude that Abraham had towards him and the attitude these Jewish leaders have towards him. They're angry with Jesus. They're calling him a Samaritan. They're calling him a heretic. They're calling him crazy. Or maybe he's even got a demon. And yet Abraham rejoiced that he would see Jesus' day. Now where does this idea that Abraham would see Jesus' day? We can, we can think of a few things. The passage that Amy read. Remember, God is telling Abraham that he would have an offspring. Abraham's like, I, I don't have a son that's come from my own body. Is Eliezer of Damascus going to have to be my heir? 
Is this servant that lives in my house going to have to be my heir? And God tells him, no, you're going to have a son, a promised one. This points forward to Jesus, the seed of the woman, the son of David. Points forward, and Jesus, or the Lord tells Abraham, you're, you're going to have a son, and he's going to have many children, and your people are going to be taken down into a land they don't know. And yet I'll bring him back. Talking about Egypt. How would Abraham know anything about Egypt? But that God told him about the future. God told him, your people are going to go down into a place where they don't know and they're going to be enslaved, but I will bring them back out and I will give them this land. Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He Believed in the promises of God. We're told Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed all of those promises of a seed that would come and bring rest to the curse from back in Genesis 3. And not only that, he doesn't just say that he would see my day. But the next line, he says, he saw it and was glad. How can this be? How can Abraham have actually seen Jesus? This is a mystery. But I I think what comes to my mind is when Abraham was to take Isaac up onto the mountain. And God told him to give a sacrifice. Abraham, take your son, your only son, the one whom you love. Go up onto the mountain, build a fire, and sacrifice your son to me on that altar. And Abraham takes Isaac up the mountain. Isaac asks the question, I see the wood, but where's the ram? Where's the lamb? Where? And Abraham says to Isaac, God will provide a lamb. And Abraham goes up the mountain and he's about to sacrifice his son when of a sudden God tells him to stop. And he looks over and he sees a ram caught in the thicket. God provided a lamb. I don't know what Jesus meant whenever he said he rejoiced to see my day. He saw it. But maybe it was there. Whenever Jesus was the substitute for Isaac. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You're not even 50 years old and yet you've seen Abraham? They think Jesus is delusional. By saying you're not even 50 years old, it's not saying that he was about 50 years old. I mean, 50 years old would be probably about the time of retirement back then. Don't you wish it was like that today? (laughs) It would be about the age that people would be considered seniors at 50 years old. And they're saying you're not even a senior citizen yet. And yet you're saying you've seen Abraham? They think he's crazy. They think he's delusional. 
And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus points us back to what Genesis or to what John chapter 1 tells us. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything was made that was made through Him. Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham ever was thought about, before he was ever born, I existed from all eternity past as the second person of the Trinity. That is what Jesus was saying. And it is so outlandish, so amazing to these Jews. And it is so heretical in their mind. They picked up stones to throw at Him. But Jesus hid Himself and went out of the temple. And it doesn't tell us in the text here, but we know from two other places in this passage from chapter 7 to chapter 8, Jesus wasn't caught by the Jews because His time had not yet come. Somehow Jesus was able to hide. He was able to just kind of disappear from the crowd while they were incensed, while they were enraged that Jesus would make such an astounding claim that before Abraham was, I am. Jesus disappeared from the crowd. What this should do for us is to open up and and help us to see even more clearly how great and how magnificent Jesus is. He existed from all eternity. He always did His Father's will. He was despised and rejected, and as Isaiah said, and we esteemed Him not, and it pleased the Lord to crush Him. Jesus continued to do His Father's will all the way up to the cross. Jesus did not seek His own glory. Instead, He sought the road of humiliation unto the utter humiliation of the cross. Jesus walked the road to Calvary. He did not seek His own glory, but He came as a servant and He came to give His life as a ransom for many. And yet, when He was nailed to a cross for our sins, He died and was buried and the world thought Jesus was just a period at the end of his of, of he was just the you know his his life was just a dot. He thought it was over. And yet God glorified Jesus for doing his will. God glorified him by raising him up from the dead. That's our Jesus. A Jesus who who said outlandish things to the world. Who didn't seek His own glory. He came and died for us so that we might give Him glory today. That we might believe in Him. Trust in Him. Obey Him keep His words, and we might never taste death. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. 
For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.